Real news. True, honest, and not fake news. Hello? Hello? Hey, man. Uh, you told us to call in last week, and we were just, we turned on the uh, radio again. We're like the flatters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, we were talking to you guys last week. Yeah, glad to have you back. Um, yeah. So thanks you were going to... Yeah, yeah, thanks for calling back in. Uh, sorry, I have nobody in the studio to uh, debate, but that'd be more fair, I guess. It's one-on-one debate now, so... Uh, well, I, I, what we'll do is, um, I guess we'll do for this first block of the show, I'll let you lay out your position, and okay. I'll give you the floor. I'm not going to interrupt or anything, uh, so just go at it. All right, cool. Um, I want to first that every flat earther that I've ever met has been a globe earth believer at one point, because obviously since day one in school, that's what we're taught, that's what we're told is true. Right. And so... We believe that. Now, the difference between flat earthers and globe earthers, I've learned that a lot of flat earthers um, have done a lot of research and actually know more about the globe earth model than the average globe earther. Mm-hmm. So, basically, my, my buddy came to me one day, and he was like, well, man, I think the earth is flat. And I told him, I was like, well, that sounds pretty stupid. And like I've never heard anything that uh, uh, dumb kind of initially. That's or that's what my first thought was. So mm-hmm. I went home and I started like researching, but not researching the flat Earth specifically. I was researching the globe Earth and like trying to find details about it and break it down and all that. And and I literally got to the point of doing the spherical trigonometry to equate the curvature of the Earth. And I started realizing, well certain things might not be what we were told. Um, I have a little, uh, I mean, I have some information here, some key points. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Antarctic Treaty. But that's no, I've not. made me start questioning it a little bit more, because uh, so the Antarctic Treaty was a military treaty signed December 1st, 1959. There were 12 different nations that signed it. And it basically prevents any civilians from independently exploring Antarctica. Uh, it also prevents them from, like, militarizing Antarctica. Now, that made me question things, because I started looking up how maybe certain people would get to Antarctica. And there are only a handful of um, flights or polar cruises that go there. And they only show you one part, and it's very, like, and it's like $17,000. So, you know, your average Joe is probably isn't going to go to Antarctica just for fun. But I'm sure, I don't know if you've seen like the flat Earth model with Antarctica, but how it works is it's basically Antarctica consists of giant ice walls. It, I mean, there is a giant ice wall, and they named it the Rockefeller Mountain. And, um, or the Rockefeller Mountains are right behind the giant ice wall, but it's practically surrounds the Earth and holds the oceans in. Uh-huh. Now, we're told gravity is what keeps the ocean sticking to a ball, spinning throughout our space. Mm-hmm. But um, on the flat Earth model, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because realistically, anything that can be explained by gravity can be explained by density as well. And density can be tested, but gravity is just, you know, an invisible force that they say affects everything all the time. 
Mm-hmm. However, if something is more dense than air, uh, if you pick up your pencil and you were to drop it, the pencil's more dense than air, so it's going to fall, you know, just, just like it would in water. It would either float or sink, mm-hmm. depending on the density. Now, uh, so in the world, there are literally only six government space, space agencies. Uh, the Indian Space Research Organization, the European Space Agency, uh, China National Space Agency, uh, Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, and then obviously NASA and the Russian Federal Space Agency. Now, um, all of these nations are obviously tied up very closely. And I'm sure you know about, like, Elon Musk and... Did I hear somebody laughing in the background? <laughs> what, what's that? Did I hear somebody laughing in the background? Are they laughing at you? Oh, no. He was coughing. Oh, okay. Like, just want to check. No, I'm Steven. I was just coughing. But, like, this is my buddy Aaron. He's, like, he's kind of my... He's have, he's literally understand. And we wrote down some paper and key points left. Oh. oh, wait, so is he a flat earther, too? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Please continue. But, um... Yeah, I just caught Well, I remember last time after we hung up, you guys were like, well, I'm pretty sure that's a troll. Like, yeah. It was a good troll and stuff. Because that's what most people initially think, because it sounds so ridiculous that um, <laughs> it literally does sound pretty ridiculous initially. Mm-hmm. If, you know, being told your whole life one thing and someone coming and saying the exact opposite. It's hard, to, uh, it's hard information to kind of, depending on how open you are, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, seeking the truth will lead you to the truth. And that's why a lot of flat earthers tell people to do their own research. They say, hey man, you should like check it out, look into it yourself, and make up your own mind. Now, the only other people who are telling us that we can't make up our mind or that we just have to trust scientists, I mean... In school, we're told that, you know, this is the way it is, and if you question it, mm-hmm. you're a crazy, you're a freak, you're weird, you know. Any Anything out there, they would uh, throw down on a flat earther because it questions the most simplistic thing. Now, if we were to... Well, I'll just, I'll just keep going off of my notes, I guess, but... Uh, some other key points are literally no flights go over the north or the south pole. And they tell us it's because of weather conditions and such. Mm-hmm. But if they're claiming they can go into space and whatnot, I'm sure they would be able to create an airplane that could fly over certain weather. Mm-hmm. Now, that would also save so much gas for them or fuel, travel time, if you were able to... Because you can circumnavigate the globe in a circular fashion, but if a pilot is to take off and not touch the controls and just fly straight, mm-hmm. he is going to eventually end up at Antarctica after flying for a long, 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 long time. But that's why they always have to turn an angle, and that's also why their nose doesn't get down, because if the Earth was curved as they say it was, a pilot would constantly have to tip his nose down while flying so he wouldn't reach a higher altitude because the way that it works is it's eight inches per mile squared. 
curvature, uh, or to equate the curvature. So after seven miles, there's a significant drop in curvature that we don't see. Now, people also say, well, the Earth is just so big that you can't even see the curvature. Yeah. And that kind of goes with they also, um, with, I mean, it's, it's, I'm going to jump in here because I've had you go for like 10 minutes. Uh, you didn't give a single argument as to why the Earth is flat. I heard stuff about Antarctica, like we can't go down there. I think that's because there's a lot of like, you know, government military experiments maybe happening down there. A lot of governments want control of that area or they want to protect stuff. I, I don't know about that, but I don't think that proves or disproves the Earth is flat. Like, I don't think it has anything to do with it. Well, I mean, how would you define proof, I guess? I mean, what would be like sufficient proof because my I, I've always been open to be proven wrong I am too because like I you know I would love to be proven wrong and I would love the earth to be a ball floating through space I suppose maybe but or I wouldn't it's just it's weird to think possibly people lying to us or that we're not being told the truth okay. but the fact is that that's a very good possibility yeah, but uh, the thing about the planes you're mentioning, I don't know if planes actually do fly straight. I think they actually do sort of dip down. But I think it's so slight that it's not noticeable. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to multiple pilots because I've really gotten into the flatter oh, really? recently. Like, I've literally tried to find proof for about five months now, and I haven't been able to find any proof that the Earth is anything but a flat plane. Okay, well, let's take this. Why are all the other planets round? Well, Wait, actually, let's start the premise. Let's start the premise. Would you agree the moon is round? Yeah. Okay. Now, all the other planets are round. Why is the Earth the only one that's flat? That makes no sense. Alrighty. I'm going to cut it real quick. Um, so, let's here look up at the sky. And you look at the moon. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you take a picture of this. Yeah. And then next month, it's a full moon again. Yeah. And you take a picture of the same thing. Well, you're going to have an exact same picture, the same face of the moon, the same everything. So it's a circle, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I learned in a... Uh... Uh, my meteor class right now is that, yeah, you see the same part of the moon uh, just each month, yeah, it's going through its phases because of some, like, trickle lighting and stuff. Okay. So, the moon illuminates at negative 307 degrees Fahrenheit. So, we talked about this a little bit last so I always get when I talk to We I just get so excited about the old floor. But, you're looking at the moon. Uh-huh. For you to assume that the rest of these planets, or that the Earth that you're living on, is a sphere. For you to assume the moon is a sphere is an assumption. It's pseudoscience. Well, I don't think that's an assumption. If you look at the moon, it is spherical. I mean, it's not perfectly spherical. It's like the Earth. It's kind of like a pear shape. And I think the moon might be a similar case. But you look at the sky, you see the moon, it's circular. Well, yes. Here. Yeah. Well, how? How? Because gravity, gravity is a, uh, it's it's equal on all sides. So therefore, the only shape it can really make is a sphere. 
And if you don't think there's gravity, go out into space and then come back here. If you go into space, you're floating around like, woo, having fun, you know. But if you go close to a planet, you feel gravity. Let us go back to that word float because they use our English against us. We say things that we affiliate with one definition and then we affiliate it with another. Why is that? You float in space and uh-huh. you float in water. Okay, yeah, you could be floating in water, but you still... F- so, yeah. Why are there, in a lot of the videos of NASA, whenever they're working on satellites, I don't think you can have any kind of movement in a vacuum. And whenever there is uh, eternal darkness, see any stars of satellites, any, any picture ever made, ever presented from 1967 to now, there has never been a picture of one star or one star in our Earth. Therefore, the pictures of the Earth that look kind of like, you know, if you were to look up at the Earth from the moon, people would see, wow, that's a perfect circle, and that's what it, but for you to assume it's a sphere is, and it's just, you can't do that overall, and some, Why can't you do that? I mean, we look at the pictures, and we see a spherical Earth. Are you saying it's a circle? Well, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean it's flat? Do you mean it's like a circle but a flat circle? I'm saying that. I guess that's. But if you wanted to be very open about it, I'm saying that there are substances and proven facts on either side of the table that kind of say, well, this is wrong and this is wrong. So where are we? And this gives certain people, you know, the objective to try to push certain things. Whenever you hear of superposition, um, mathematics, and Elon Musk, like, talk, talk about um, uh, simulation theory, this is kind of yeah. like, reminds me of a, a different kind of new mindset, maybe a new religion. If you ask any if you believe their facts, they will definitely tell you they believe their facts. And if you ask a Christian if they believe in Jesus Christ, they will tell you that they believe in Jesus Christ. So what's here? There's, there's two sides to a story. Not really. Because, uh, like, in religion, I'll be flat out with you, I do not believe there is a God, but I cannot prove that there is or isn't one. I can consciously say, well, there's no evidence to support it, so therefore I believe there isn't a God. Same with a simulation. There's no evidence I can support there's a simulation, but I believe we are not in one. It's possible. I don't know what we came from or how this you know, universe was created, but to equivalent that to the Earth is flat is a false equivalency because we have evidence that the Earth is round and spherical. You go out... You, you like Elon Musk, right? You, you do... Um, like. No, I- like when Elon Musk was sent out his his spaceship, the Falcon 9, they had a camera on the Falcon 9, on the car that the guy was riding. You could see the Earth was round, okay? Like there was literally evidence. continents you see on that Earth? I wonder, was it blue? Well, it's not all, it's not like in 2001 Space Odyssey where it's all blue. It's blue where the oceans are and it's green and, you know, where the land is and all that and brown. Hey, man, it's, uh, it's, but I, I want to make a comment real quick Yeah. Uh, about the thing, because I saw how he said that the Tesla Roadster into space, and I was looking at that quite a good bit. 
And uh, <laughs> what made me is in an interview, uh-huh. he talked about how the car wasn't quote, quote, space hardened at all. He said it was a stock car. It was a normal car that they did into space. Uh-huh. Now, the whole thing about that, uh, we're told that the temperatures at the upper, the upper thermosphere can range from about 5 degrees Celsius. Uh, it's like 932 degrees Fahrenheit to 2,000 degrees Celsius, which is 3,632 degrees Fahrenheit. So if this is true, that car would literally almost then instantly vaporize. Or were you, you know how there was a lot on it for a while? Mm-hmm. Like, on the line, they were doing They were just multiple loops of the same footage that they did. And the paint never degraded. The paint never did anything. Interior stock fabric seats were perfectly fine. The tires that were full didn't pop. Like, they're... they're uh, okay. Well, I don't know if those were made out of the materials you're thinking of. So I, I don't know about that, but that's a, a tangent here. The one thing I'll get back to, we're going to go to break in four minutes. I'm going to have to end this debate, but cause I have some news I got to talk about, but we'll have you guys on again next week. The one thing I want to talk about, you said about the plane. The plane can go in a straight line. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. But I I just remember, I've been in flights, and I've been in high-up flights, and you can literally see the curvature of the Earth. So you're telling me what I'm seeing is not true? Well, I would I would like to, I mean, if you can, so I also, initially, I thought I could see the curvature. However, if you look at the airplanes and how the windows are designed and mm-hmm. how they have a special curve to it, now on flat airplanes, the windows with flat wind airplanes with flat windows, you will see no curvature whatsoever. What? That makes sense. Wait, you're like, saying the windows? Like, like, if you find videos online. But well, that's I, because you're at certain altitudes. I That has nothing to do with the windows. I mean, if you also want to take into account that if you're on a flat earth, uh, you should be able to see the same object from any height. Correct? Well, not do with the perspective yeah well with perspective on a round earth there's going to be a point where you really can't see another object it'll make at least a big yeah. difference yeah because you would because you can you could you couldn't see past the curve or the yeah which is what we that's literally what happens when you try if you were to do that like you would literally not see some stuff well the thing is if you were to go out uh, to the ocean perhaps if you were to get to sea level and you were to look down, you should be able to clear the curvature. Now, they say that you can see ships sailing over the horizon. Once you see the ship sailing out from the visual perspective, it appears as if the bottom of the ship disappears first, thus proving that Earth is curved. However, due to this newer technology, uh, if people zoom in with the really good Nikon camera or whatever, mm-hmm. they zoom super close. If you can't see that visual, you zoom in on that camera, and that boat will come straight back into perspective, and it'll still be perfectly flat. Well, that's because it's at a certain distance. There's a certain distance where you wouldn't be able to see because it's behind the curve. But, like, if you're in a... But if you're in... Okay, if the Earth is flat, then, if you're in a ship and you're in the ocean, aren't you going to come to a point where you're going to reach the edge? And why hasn't nobody seen that edge? Well, the edge would be the ice wall. The Antarctic ice wall. You're saying the Arctic's the edge? 
Yeah, but people have explored the Arctic. They've explored, you know, the um, the Arctic and the Antarctic, you know, North and South Pole, and they've people have been on the, literally the North Pole. They did on Top Gear of all yeah, shows. Yeah. Like if if they were there, there'd be an edge. There is no edge. No, well, that's the thing. The firmament over us. There is no edge, but there. But there is no ice wall. You go there and it's like you keep going. Like there is no, it's not, if it was flat, you would have to walk around a giant, an edge. Like it would be dramatic. There's no way you'd miss that. There was a guy in about the 1800s, I believe, who sailed around him. Now, if it were truly what we are told, then it would probably take uh, a I don't even know. It, it would take less than a year to circumnavigate Antarctica. And it took him over six years to circumnavigate all of Antarctica. Not just him, there have been many other sailors uh-huh. who have circumnavigated it six years and years. One of the largest yacht races nowadays is uh, around or close to the ice wall, but not quite that close. About a 200 nautical miles away. But the thing, a lot of videos that were shown of people, or not even but pictures maybe of people in Antarctica, um, a lot of them have been Freemasons. And it all, it kind of ties together in that aspect. I'd have to fact check some of that because I I don't know what you're referencing. I have to make sure it's true, but um, it's interesting to consider, but uh, I'm gonna give you the last words. I gotta go ahead to break, uh, and I'm gonna have to hang you guys up. Sorry, because I have to cover some other news topics today. But next week, I should have my guest back. I have a guy that knows science. I think that'd be a more constructive debate. I'd like to have you guys back on again next week. Would that be cool? Cool. Yeah, sure. Awesome. So next week, seven o'clock on Saturday again. I'll have you guys back on again. I love that because I actually like what we were doing so far. It's just I don't have enough knowledge as my science guy friend. I want to have a good constructive debate, but I'll give you the last word. One one minute. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so pretty much to anyone who's listening, I just say question everything that we are given uh, because things may not be as they seem as much as we want them to, because the truth is a uh, hard pill to follow. It depends on the pill. You want to say anything? The truth is stranger than. All right. <laughs> That's well, great. Yeah, I actually I will agree with you guys on one thing, which is to question everything. I, I do agree with that. At least we can agree on something there. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for uh, calling in. Um, again, next week, we'll, I'll have you guys on again. I'll be here same time, same place. We'll have another debate. I, I, I'm actually looking forward to that because that one we'll be more prepared for and we'll have actually a constructive debate. And we can hopefully maybe sell this issue. Yeah, no, definitely. Awesome. Well, I got to go to break. I'll see you guys later. Thanks for calling in. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank no problem. All right. See you, man. See ya. Anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the big news stories of the week right now because there really hasn't been much happening. I'm not going to lie. It's been a slow news week, so I just kind of want to go through some stuff and rant and rave about things I've seen. Because uh, like I said, it's I really didn't have much material this week, so I'm glad they called back in. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to appreciate when they call back in again next week because I know they will. I, I really enjoyed that, actually. Uh, but we'll see how next week goes. 
First big story that I want to talk about, which was the one that kind of was in the news cycle at the beginning now of the week. Now it isn't. Start on Sunday, which was the Stormy Daniels 60 Minutes interview. If you don't know who Stormy Daniels is, she is a porn star that claims she had an affair with Donald Trump while he was married to Melania Trump. Uh, first thing I want to say is like, actually, I'll go for the facts first, and then I'll get my little opinion. I'm getting all excited again. Uh, well, during the 60 Minutes interview, I watched the whole thing with Anderson Cooper, where she was interviewed by him for the entire uh, half hour, whatever it was. Uh, she revealed that she consensually slept uh, with Donald Trump in a hotel room, and they kind of had like a relationship where they talked and had things, you know, whatnot. And then the second time he met her in a hotel room, and they did not have sex, but they... <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it is true. It's funny, too. But he, she, he's in the hotel room, and she walks in for their second in-person visit, and he's sitting there watching Shark Week. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? Trump is watching Shark Week. And she said they sat there for an hour watching a documentary on shark attacks. <laughs> what a Chad. Oh, my God. It's so freaking funny. Oh, my God. Like, I, that that seems so... That's like the Gorilla Channel like stuff. That's why I almost don't believe it because it sounds kind of silly. But at the same time, I think you would. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, God. But they didn't have to have sex that time, even though Trump wanted to, supposedly, but they didn't. She, though, has signed multiple agreements saying that she did not have sex with Donald Trump, did not have an affair, but now all of a sudden she's coming out about it. Interesting timing. And she said that she... I remember in the interview, when I was watching it, uh, you know, I, I was trying to analyze, pick it apart, trying to take this fairly, but... First off, what I will say is this has zero impact whatsoever, okay? You're not going to change a single vote with the Stormy Daniels interview. Not a single vote is going to be changed. And here's why. Because we know who Trump is. We know who we elected. We know that he is a playboy billionaire that has had affairs in the past. We know that Trump has done some bad things. But we know that's who we hired. We hired the guy that we thought was best for the job. We didn't hire an angel. We didn't hire a perfect man. We hired what we thought was the best man for the job, Donald Trump. And we know what his life was like. We know all this stuff. So this is no surprise. This is nothing, you know, like, if it's true, it's not going to sway a single vote. Now, uh, what I don't understand is why would he cheat on Melania right after he married her? Melania is hot as you get, okay? Melania Trump is hot. She's gorgeous. Like, who could ask for better? So why would he cheat on that? That just doesn't make sense right out the get-go. Why would you cheat on Melania? That's why I always, I always made the joke like, well, you know Trump's not going to have an affair in the White House because look at his wife. She's hot as it gets. That's what doesn't make sense. Why would he cheat on somebody so hot? That doesn't make sense. But people are irrational, so who knows? But when you look at the interview and you look at what she said, one thing that stuck out to me was that she said she saw their relationship as a business relationship. I went, whoa, I, like she could be referring to something else, I don't know. But the way she said sounded really weird. Like she was actually admitting that she was in this for money. Uh, that's very possible. 
I, I've been looking at a lot of possible. It's definitely possible that Trump had an affair. Definitely possible. Again, I still think it doesn't make sense, but possible. The other possibility is that she is looking for money and attention. Okay? She's an older porn star. You know, you know, for what they are, they're older models. Her business is going down. You know, she could have a book after this of, oh, when I slept with the president, you know. She could have all kinds of stuff out of this. You know, she's already got this interview that was the most watched interview on 60 Minutes thinking it beat out the Obama interview. Uh, so when you see stuff like that, you you become a little suspicious. I'm not saying that's what happened, but it's suspicious, okay? Uh, I, I don't know why, because why would she do this now? Why now? Why is she talking about this now? She could have brought up during the election. She could have brought up when all these other women were coming out, when the Me Too movement was coming, even though this wasn't abuse. That's one thing she did make clear, that this wasn't, you know, Me Too, this wasn't abuse. But why didn't you come out during the election when it could have hurt him, when it could have mattered, when the spotlight was on these things? Why did you wait now? It doesn't make sense. Because you signed agreements and saying you didn't have an affair. Why did you come out now? Is your business going down? Are you not making as much money? Are you old for a porn star and you don't know what else to do? That's possible. And the other porn star, the uh, I forget her name. But there was another one Anderson Cooper interviewed. Again, older porn star came out now and started talking about why now. Before, you know, she said, you know, I, I remember she said in the interview, she said, I didn't want to come out during the election because I didn't want to hurt Trump. Uh, I vote for him. I'm a Republican. I'm like, so why are you coming out now and hurting him? You know, I, like I said, it doesn't, I said it's not going to sway a single vote, but you would think this could hurt, this technically hurts his image and his brand and his you know, uh, maybe his legacy. Again, I said it's not going to sway a single vote, but that's it. I, that's why doing something like this would. Why would you, you if you didn't want to even risk it, you'd be quiet like she has been if it's true. So none of this really makes sense. I don't understand why it's happening. Why now? Somebody could be paying these girls or they're just hoping to get money and media attention and write books and all that stuff. So it's very strange. Uh, Trump, of course, has denied it. But there's been some case where Melania wasn't with him on planes and walking alone. So I don't know what's going on. It's, again, like I said, it doesn't matter. It's already out of the headlines. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody did care and nobody cares now. The only people that care are the people on the left, the hyperventilating liberals that want to get at Trump for everything and, you know, tear him down with every little thing. So, again, this isn't going to matter. Nobody cares. She's still going to win in 2020. Uh, I, I've, I'm quadrupling down on this now where I say he's going to win in 2020 with an even bigger victory than last time. His approval rings are way up. Even in the fake polls like CNN that oversampled Democrats that are totally inaccurate, that are you know inherently inaccurate to do polling now, but they're totally inaccurate. He's already at like 45%, I think, in their polls. Record levels. Record levels. The guy's doing great in the polls. He's going to win again tax cuts have gone through the wall is starting to get built we've already pulled out tpp uh you know people are going to start seeing more money in their pockets they're going to see the roads and bridges getting rebuilt and everything's going to be looking better they're going to say this guy i may not like his personal life i may not like this may not like his personality but he's getting he's doing the job well he's getting the job done he's doing it better than i expected and it's great people are going to vote for him okay i i i, I can just see it now You're, you may not get that much enthusiasm that's what i worry about but his Whoever he's against is going to get knocked out badly. If he's against Joe Biden, Joe Biden's going to get crushed like a bug. 
He doesn't stand a chance against Trump. Trump is a master persuader, a master marketing and branding. You cannot go up against that and expect to win. There's just no way. You're not going to win. So it's going to be see how this plays out. It's very interesting. Another thing in the Trump news, uh, kind of related, is that Kim Jong-un was in China the other day, and he met with South Korea's president, and he vowed again, he emphasized again, that he will denuclearize and he will meet with Trump. This is huge what's been happening, okay? I made this bet a while ago, a few months ago. I think it was back in January when I got word that there were ships... <coughs> excuse me. Uh, when there were... <coughs> ah, coughing up today. Uh, what I was going to say is I made this bet a few months ago. I think it was back in January when they were catching some of these North Korean ships and they were starting to strangle them economically and starting to go after these businesses. That was the moment I immediately said, I predict North Korea will be duly nuclearized by the end of the year. And it looks like that prediction is coming true. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying I'm really happy because the rest of the world is going to be more peaceful, more prosperous. Everybody's going to feel safer. Everybody's going to be better, including the North Korean people. Uh, but this is another step towards the big meeting with Trump next month. Uh, oh, shoot, like next tomorrow is going to be April. It's going to come up in, within 30 days. You know, Trump has just mastered uh, every play here. He's been a professional. This has been played out just perfectly. Do you remember? I'm going to ask you guys. Don't you remember when CNN and you know all these mainstream media hacks? They said Trump wouldn't win the election. Trump wouldn't get uh, the GOP nomination. Trump is going to burn out in a few weeks. Trump isn't going to beat Hillary. Now, these are the same people that are now saying Trump isn't going to reach a deal with North Korea. Trump just sent out a big button tweet. North Korea is going to send us into a nuclear war. He is mentally unstable and crazy. You know, it's a pattern there. They say Trump can't do something, and Trump does that exact thing and exceeds expectations. Now we're at a point with North Korea where he set up a deal. He sent out that tweet that everybody went, oh, the world's going to end. I was laughing my butt off because it was so funny. The, you know, my button's bigger tweet. <laughs> it was so funny. He called him Little Rocket Man. Oh, it's, it's just comedy gold. But it's also talking to Kim Jong-un at, you know, it's trash talk. And Kim Jong-un gets that. Apparently, he laughed at it. Laughter is great. No matter what's happening, laughter is always good. And Kim Jong-un laughed at it, and he thought, ah, this is funny. He's talking at my level. I love this. You know, he's speaking his language, and he connected with him. That's what Trump does. He's a connector. He connects with people. He connected with the blue-collar uh, workers. He connected with the middle class. He connected with the, uh, the, 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 the forgotten men and women in Pennsylvania and Ohio and Michigan. He connects with people. He knows how to talk to people. And he spent years with businessmen and world leaders interacting them and making deals. He gets this stuff. That's why he was perfect for the job. And that's why he is the best man to you know, solve North Korea's situation. He's got he's the best chance we've had in ages. Look how much progress has been made. You haven't seen this under Obama. You haven't seen this under Clinton. You haven't seen this under anybody. They've all been kicking down the can down the road. Trump's picking up and he's, you know, he is going to solve this crisis for once and all. And you're seeing that happening right now. It's just great. Uh, you know, he, of course, South Korea did have some help. You know, I, it wasn't him all alone. It was South Korea did help. 
you know, they stopped some of these ships, probably under Trump's order, and they've been helping strangle them economically. That's what Trump has been doing. I don't know why nobody's been doing this. Crippling them economically. If you go after their money, you go after their power then. You go after everything because they need money to survive. Lil' Kimmy isn't going to be eating his uh, uh, Wheaties and Pop-Tarts and uh, uh, all his, you know, favorite you know snacks that make him fat if he doesn't have money so he he of all people needs money he doesn't care if his people are starving or poor he still needs money and so you know the bill's big mail turn is new so you have to go after the money it's the only thing you got you gotta go after him it's very simple it really isn't that difficult so he's going after that and it's looking great i i I loved everything he's done north korea i it's just been perfectly played every step of the way and when he meets Kim, you're going to hear a deal announced to denuclearize. Now, it's going to take a while, and they're probably going to, they're obviously going to need something in exchange. It's not just going to be, oh, you know, you got to, you know, tap off the sanctions a lot. He's probably going to want some, you know, multi year plan of protection because they want to be protected. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes because Trump has so much leverage, and Kim Jong un has real leverage with his nukes, but he's in a bad spot. You know, I, I, it was really funny when they showed a picture of um, Kim Jong-un meeting with the South Korean leader in China. Uh, no, actually, it was with the Chinese leader, too, I think. Well, he was meeting with somebody. Or meeting with them both, I think. And Scott Adams tweeted out that picture. He's creator Dilbert. He predicted Trump would win from the beginning. Guy's a very smart guy. He, he captioned that in a tweet and said, you know, only one person in this picture isn't smiling. <laughs> and it was Kim Jong-un. I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Like, you really think about that. Like... He shows he's like in an oh bleep moment. You know, I'm screwed. And it's, he's feeling it. He's feeling it. And that's why he's pushing with these talks. It's, it, oh, it's, it's happening right now. It's huge in North Korea. Again, this is another reason. If Trump denuclearizes North Korea, he's going to win in 2020. Is monumental, historic. He's going to be remembered. I'm saying this on air for the record. If anybody's keeping record, probably are because I'm just that uh, goofy little uh, college kid on the radio show every Saturday. Uh, but i put this on record. Trump not only will win in 2020 with a bigger margin, but he will also be remembered as one of the greatest presidents of all time. I'm going to say that again. Trump will win in 2020 with a bigger margin, uh, electorally, I might add, at least, uh, with, and also be remembered as one of the greatest presidents of all time. And I say that because you're seeing these big things happening. It's going to keep happening in, in, in more of these years and in his next term. You're going to see more big things happening. The wall is going to be a big thing. Uh, the economy coming back is a big thing. And, of course, North Korea is a big thing. Foreign policy in general is a big thing. He's pulling out. He's We're not going into any more wars. We're ending all this interventionism that, that has uh, drained us of our wealth and our lives. It's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And like I said, he's going to be remembered as one of the greatest presidents because his the effect he has on the world cannot be ignored. Even if you love him, even if you hate him, most historians probably going to hate him because they're, most of them are liberal. They're still going to say, yeah, you know, I really don't like this Trump guy, but, you know, he did bring the economy back, which is actually kind of good, but he did do a lot. You know, he did do this, he did do that. They'll say he did, did, he did stuff, even if he 
did stuff they don't like, it's still going to be something he did that has an impact. You know, because they all keep blaming, oh, Trump didn't uh, make the stock market boom. Trump didn't bring the economy booming back. That was Obama. Yeah, sure. It's, it's funny how all that just started happening when Trump got in the office. Very funny coincidence. But anyway, so that's interesting. That's North Korea. It's going to be solved. It's going to look great. I, I love what Trump's been doing. Uh, next uh, two, two more topics. One thing I want to talk about is the reboot uh, or revival, I should say. Uh, Roseanne, the TV show, sitcom from the 80s about a working class family. Uh, and Roseanne Barr stars as the you know character Roseanne. Uh, it got it premiered the other night, got 18 uh, million viewers, which is huge. Massive ratings, great uh, premiere for ABC. And Roseanne Barr is a pro-Trump on camera and off camera. She loves Trump and she made this show about, you know, being pro Trump. What's interesting is uh, examining this show. I have not watched it yet, but I'm going to watch it maybe tonight or tomorrow night because I do need to watch it to have a full, fair report on it uh, to back up these claims. But many people are telling me it's very pro Trump. It's very right-wing conservative. It's about family, but it's also about bridging that gap between the left and the right and coming together. And I think that's great. Because the one thing that has interested me is this show supposedly has like a kid in it that's starting to dress like a girl and, you know, he's starting to do it more and more. And even Roseanne's saying, yo, be whatever you want. And it's kind of encouraging what he's doing. Even though he's getting bullied at school, they're telling him to dress however you want. I can see how this is going down a liberal bent, you know? You know, maybe this show isn't as conservative as people are saying it is. It sounds like it's got that liberal bent where it's like, oh, is he... Because you know where this is going to end. He's going to become a tranny. And you're going to see his transformation. Everybody's going to be so happy for him and all that stuff. I don't know how I feel about that. Because, again, I'm all for people doing whatever they want to themselves and whatever. That's fine, but... But my point is not the debate of transgenderism. It's calling this show conservative and populist and right-wing. Is it really, though? When you have storylines like that, are they just adding that to make the people at ABC happy so the show gets green light? Not, you know, scrapped at the last minute? And, you know, I don't know. Because uh, it's got, you know, a big name, Roseanne. Bring it back. Anybody's going to want to bring back a sequel or reboot or success of whatever. Uh but to approach ABC, who's owned by Disney, a very liberal company, and say, you know, this is a conservative show. Now, this is about a pro-Trump family. Are they really going to, you know, green light that? So that's where I can maybe see why they're doing that. But maybe it's also, like I said, they're trying to bridge the gap between these two very different groups of people, different cultures of different uh, political affiliations that it's very hostile in our country. And always the best way to bring people together is with comedy, with laughter, with joy and happiness. And that's why I think maybe they're trying to do. They're trying to bring people together through laughter, for mocking each other, for mocking the left, the right. You know, but even if it is majority pro-Trump, you know, feel to it, it still mocks itself. So maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. Uh, but anybody checking it out, please let me know. Uh, so we'll, I'll watch it and I'll let you know next week probably. Last thing I was going to mention because I didn't get to the story last week and I want to mention this week with another news story that came up. It's about autonomous car crashes, or autonomous and semi-autonomous in this case. Uh, if You probably heard the news last week of a autonomous Uber that hit a pedestrian that was crossing the street. 
this pedestrian uh, wasn't using a crosswalk and might I mention was also a cyclist. She was walking, you know, with her bike, walking across the street. So nothing of value was lost there. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course, you know, all lives are valuable. It's just I hate cyclists. Uh, this, the driver that was in the Uber was a safety driver, another woman, and was on her phone during the whole thing. So she, she thought the last man was, and then, you know, the person, unfortunately, was killed. Very tragic uh, when this is happening. Now, where this also comes in place, because there's a Tesla Model X, which was in a car crash today while it was in autopilot. If you don't know, autopilot's kind of semi-autonomous, where when you're on the highway, the car will kind of steer it, uh, and it'll even if you put the turn signal on, it'll change lane for you. I think it regulates your speed. I have not tried the feature. I've been in a Tesla, but I was in a Tesla before they had autopilot. Uh, and the person that was in the car did not have their hands on the wheel. Again, just like the other instance. And apparently the car was giving you multiple warnings, like you're about to crash, blah, blah, blah. And the person did nothing. Uh, I don't know how they crashed. Or it showed them in the picture, like they crashed into like one of those uh, barriers or the dividers in the highway. So I don't know what went wrong exactly. I mean... I'm going to have to figure it out, but it's not fully autonomous, though. It's semi-autonomous, so it's still it's adding to this you know, time we're in where autonomous cars become more mainstream. We're seeing these things, these problems occur. But what gets very murky and interesting is liability. Who's liable for these accidents? Is it the safety driver or not? I think in the Tesla case, it probably will be because they gave her warnings and the software is behaving as normal. But in the case of the Uber, you know, Uber has kind of a, good case because they could say you know the person was it was dark out you couldn't see him and that even if you were to stop uh you wouldn't have been able to stop in time because the human reaction obviously the autonomous car is going to be safer because it eliminates human reaction time it's going to be much quicker but could that autonomous car have stopped in that scenario i don't know i don't know all the facts here but maybe it could have maybe it could have stopped and not killed that person but when it saw that person it did not stop uh, until I think the human applied the brake. But what we're going to come into is a world where autonomous cars, if they get into accidents, who's going to be liable? I mean, nobody's driving, so who's liable? Can't be the driver, right? So is it Uber? You know, we're, gonna, we're not talking about this specific example, but in general, when this becomes more mainstream, I mean, they pulled the fleet out, but it's going to come back. Is Uber responsible? Probably not. Is the car maker responsible? Probably not. Is the maker of the autonomous technology in the car responsible? Probably. I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the liability put on. Uh, obviously, every case is going to be different. I think that's how they're going to treat it. But they're going to make laws about this stuff. And it's coming quick. It's coming quicker than you think. It's going to still take a while. Uh, autonomous cars aren't going to be that big of a thing to, I think, 10, 20 years. Or you see, like, maybe, like, 25, 50% of cars that way. But it's going to become a thing in the sense that, like, Big rigs and semi-trucks, they're all going to be autonomous. Taxis are probably going to be all autonomous. Uh, you know, it's very good for like old people and people with disabilities in the sense that like, they don't have to go asking Jimmy next door, like, hey, can you give me a lift to work because I'm blind I can't see? They'll just hop in their autonomous car and it'll take them there. Uh, and liability is definitely going to be you know, absolutely not on the driver in those cases because they can't even see. But it's going to be interesting to see how this goes out. I'm very interested in artificial intelligence because AI is quickly becoming the biggest issue. It is going to be the biggest issue of 21st century's AI. It just is. 
because AI is going to be smarter than us. It's going to be better than us. It's going to be faster than us. It's going to be, you know, better than us in every way. And how are we going to deal with that? How are we as a species going to deal with that? Because when the AI gets smarter than us, it's going to, it's going to be superior. It's going to see us as a lower class, as a, you know, as a uh, failed species and what's it going to do? Obviously, there's a Terminator scenario where it tries to kill us. That's possible, but I don't think it's going to be a mass genocide. I think it's going to be like, you know, like instances in 2001 Space Odyssey or some other movies you see where, or even Ex Machia, great film, by the way. Highly recommend both, where if the human's in the way, it's going to kill the human. If the human is in the way of the goal, if they cannot complete the goal and the human's stopping them, they're going to kill them. There's no, I don't think, can AI develop morality? That's the big question. Can they develop a consciousness? I don't know. I don't know these answers because if AI can develop morality, like what's it basing that off? I mean, what is morality is the next question. I mean, we know thou shalt not kill and all that stuff, but will it know that? And well, you know, it probably will, but like if it gets out of control, how are you going to stop it? If it's superior to us, how can we stop it? If it has a kill switch, we'll disable it. Is it smart enough to do that? And if it has a consciousness, what, what's it going to do? Like you hear the freak example with the autonomous cars where, you know, a semi-truck is coming at you. You're an autonomous car uh, with your wife. And for the car, the car has, you know, could veer to the left, but it would kill a cyclist and maybe a pedestrian. And if it veers to the right, it kills you. Or if it goes straight, it kills you, you know? What would it choose? Ideally, it should you know, choose to protect the driver at all costs, but it also has, it shouldn't kill other people. So what's it going to do? Is it going to get confused again and not do anything? Is that the right choice to not do anything, to just keep going? Uh, I mean, that's a freak example, but it's going to have to make that decision. And I don't know if it, what we're going to do. You know, you're going to see also AI is going to be jacked into us. I mean, you see what Facebook is doing with all these big companies that really don't have your best interests at heart are getting into AI. They're the ones that, that you know, there's barriers to entry to get into AI. Not, you know, poor people can't get into AI and uh, invest in it. The, the rich, the elite, the globalists are the ones in control of AI. They're the ones that can invest in it and then innovate and develop it. And what they want to do essentially uh, is create a working class of AI that works for them and does their stuff and makes them more money. So you're all going to lose your jobs. You're going to lose your wealth. You're going to lose everything. And AI is going to be taking over. And the rich people aren't going to care. The rich globalists and the elite are going to be controlling it. And they're going to, you know, these AI are going to get so smart that they're going to be able to predict the future. They're going to be able to predict your hopes and dreams and figure you out that you're not going to have free will anymore. If an AI can predict your future and predict what you're going to do, and you try to do something and it's going to stop you, you don't have free will. AI is going to kill humanity, either literally or um, metaphysically, I guess you could say. It's going to kill us. And we got to be prepared for that and we got to stop that. That's why I love people like Elon Musk because they are woke on that. <laughs> I had to use woke once. They are red pill, technically, red pill on AI and they know what's happening. Those are the good ones. The bad ones like Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg don't care about you and they're going to be um, creating monstrous AI. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more Real News.